The views and opinions expressed by the Loft Party Podcast panel participants and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the Good Times of Good People Company, the host, or its sponsors. It's not getting it, getting it. Welcome everybody out there in podcast land. The Good Times of Good People Company proudly presents the Loft Party Podcast, where it is always about good times, good people, and good talk. Now that you've received your invitation, the best way to let us know that you're in attendance is to download the party or become official by joining us on Facebook, subscribing on YouTube, iTunes Podcasts, or Google Play Podcasts. Good. Thanks for joining us. Grab a cocktail, light a cigar, or whatever you like to smoke, share us with your friends, and make yourself at home. I'm your host and moderator, Rio, and let's introduce today's panel. Hi, so everybody out there in podcast land, of course, uh, I'm your host, Rio, and let me introduce today's panel. So I've got my returning champions, Chris O'Connor. He is the owner of Liquidine Entertainment and Investments, uh, as well as having some interest in Rieger Whiskey and Office Works. I've got uh, Big Dave Elliott. He's the owner of CNP Construction. Uh, uh, joining us later will be uh, our own personal brain mass, Brian Massey, and uh, sitting in... Uh, a, a, a on and off again visitor to the podcast, uh, at, but not to the cigar club, <laughs> is uh, Chris Kip. He is uh, he is in automation sales, and he's going to be joining us today on episode fifty-seven of the Law Party Podcast. It's not a tumor, but it doesn't matter because it's pre-existing. So, before we get started uh, and get in too deep, let's play a quick party game. So. Would you rather have a nice body and an ugly face or a gorgeous face and an ugly body? I think last week I started with Jack, which puts it on you. We'll edit that out last week, sorry. So, would you rather have a nice face and an ugly body or a gorgeous face and an ugly body. So is the rule that you can't change the other one, you're stuck that way permanently? Um, Because it changes the answer. I I, I think you're right. I think it does change the answer. Um, uh, I'm going to say uh, that is not a hard and fast rule. Like, if if there's a way to change uh, the, the ugly part that you don't like, then you should be able to. Gym. But then I would take a gorgeous face and just try to hit the gym a bunch. <laughs> uh, but if you're if you're stuck with an unattractive face and a rocking body, there's not a whole lot you can do. Yeah, it is, uh, this, this, this is true. Really help out. You this know? is true. Uh, yeah, wear a lot of hats and sunglasses and, and hope yeah, that yeah, <laughs> and hope that you look cool. Turn the lights off. <laughs> <laughs> you know. What do you think? Well, since you put it that way, I have to go with you. You know. <laughs> If I'm allowed to have a good-looking face with a bad body and I go out there and work my ass off and put that thing back into shape, get a nice tan, you know, next thing you know, bada bing, the girls like the thing, huh? That's all I'm saying. Uh, and uh, as, as, I, as I predicted, we have uh, just been joined by our personal brain mass, Brian Massey, and, uh, and he may be somebody apropos to answer this question. Would you rather have a nice face and an ugly body 
or an ugly face and a nice body. I'm not sure why T is remotely apropos to answer this question. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he hits the gym quite a bit, that's all. You do, indeed. I, I feel like if you have an ugly face, well, that's not true. You can do something about that if you have surgery. I was thinking, you know, my first, my initial thing was, well, if you have an ugly body, you can kind of work on that. But That was my thought. That's been the consensus so far. <laughs> but, I don't know. At the same time, I mean, everyone's seen that person on the street. They're like, like <laughs> they'd be a really good looking person if they did something yeah, about yeah, everything yeah. below the <laughs> Below the neck, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So... Um, I'm, I don't know. I'm still going to have to say then uh, go with a good looking face because you, you, you can get hit that gym up. You know. It's easier option. And, and just have a small medicine cabinet mirror. There you go. That's all you see every morning exactly. is that gorgeous ass face. You have to kiss yourself every L- morning. Hey, gorgeous, how are you? Limit the perspective. There you go. There you go. What do you think, Chris? Oh, that's easy. Just uh, like you said. Stay with the face and uh, work out the gym a little more often. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm going to uh, I'm going to join the choir with a resounding amen. Because uh, yeah, one one you can both you can fix. One you can fix relatively cheaply, <laughs> and, uh, and so I'd rather have I'd rather have the thing I can fix cheaply. I, I got to mention. So I've been I've been uh, watching. Uh, you know the trash television. Everyone knows trash television. But I've been watching British trash television recently because it's on YouTube, like high def, free. Uh, yeah, you know, not paper cable or anything. And there's a show called Super Size versus Super Skinny. And it's awesome. So they get, I mean, this is not going to sound awesome, but they get like really obese people and anorexic people, like all in a room. Huh. They pair them up. Each episode, they take a pairing and they swap diets for two days. Like in what they call the feeding clinic. And it gets both sides to realize, oh my god, like, you know, the giant person is like, because they can't keep a food diary before the show, like for several weeks or something, and then the show will prepare the food for the other person. And so they get to see all this food in front of the person who's anorexic or on their way to being anorexic. And then the other side is the person who basically doesn't hardly eat anything but drinks coffee. That's what it's always coffee or tea that they're drinking. Right, right, right. And that the the large person like that's all they get. That's all they so get. They, so both sides kinda of get to see how ridiculous it is right, to right. put their own meals in front of someone. Right, get a get a sandwich and a and a gallon of tea. <laughs> and then every and it's like so it's British, so it's very smug. And every single episode they send the Sorry out there British podcasters, but you know, well, no, I think it, yeah. you know you got smug, right? so let's just be real. <laughs> <laughs> Every episode, they take the overweight person and send them to America, and they're like, this is your future. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Every single That's horrible. <laughs> and, and they go meet someone who, like, has, you know, has gotten out of bed in a while, has to have their family take care of them, and, like, they take them through their whole day, and they're like, this is where you're headed. And, like, they interview the... That's a horrible life or whatever. Yeah, it's I like, think I have a very good It's kind of like Scrooge in the show. Christmas Ghosts, you know, they're going to take you through and say, hey, this is what's going to happen to you. Yeah. And so right? it's, it, yeah, so it made me think of that. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's some people on there, like, yeah, you know, if you, I mean, you'd be a very attractive person. 
If you look at this. But if you go in and you know, there's no hope for your face. Then... <laughs> uh, you, you, you had better hope that you got some money. <laughs> I saw one of the funniest clips I've ever seen the other day, and it relates to this. And it was from either the late 50s or the early 60s, and it was talking about, uh, you know, kids being mean to other kids or whatever. And so there's this really good-looking group of girls, and this kind of attractive girl walks in, and like, if you find yourself being bullied and unattractive, you should stop and ask yourself, what is it about me that I can do better? <laughs> wow. It's like, wow. It's like legit. Like, it was supposed to be I like, swear to God, this is like a school film. Like, it was for real. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely from the late 50s or early 60s. Wow. And like, that was the message. That <laughs> is horrible. Times have changed. Times have changed. That's crazy. Thank, oh, wow. thank God, times have changed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. They have, but at the same time, everybody feels compelled to fit in around being their own person. And yeah. so you're comfortable in your own skin Amen. in life. You're going to struggle, right? I mean, who you That's are true. and what you are. Yeah. Rather than trying to be like you, or rather like to be like you, right? When you're yeah. This is why I have a current friend that has that issue strongly. It's not comfortable with his own skin. Never has been. Yeah. Just to be inspired by people. Mm-hmm. But like to not, that. like, say I need to be just like you. Exactly. There's a difference. I would agree. But I do think that there, and I'm a firm believer, like, listen, come on. You can't let yourself get crazy out of control. Like, I don't understand how everybody's mental issues. They can have a million kinds of things but at some point like there's reasonable shape there's just reasonable looks reasonably being cool reasonably everything else that's all you gotta that's the bare minimum to me like it's when you start going crazy on one oh, side one side or the other I'm like no I feel like okay going that, that person is they, they've got to shut some you know <laughs> or something like that I'm like you know and there's a you only get to live once I mean you may as well try to do your best at it now there so we Mario, we go to the same gym, and you've seen yeah. some of the people in there that are like, yeah, way over the top. I mean, these yeah. people are in there. Which, I mean, you know, maybe that's the thing that they like to go doing, but I feel like that's on the other end. Yeah, like, yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's crazy. Well, I mean, because like, to me, like you can, you can, you can sloth out, or you can, you know, lunk out, you know, and <laughs> and yeah, sometimes you go to the gym and you just like to say you see these dudes and you're like, come on. Man, they got muscles on their eyelids. I know. You're like, you got on, muscles dude. on your eyelids. Like, you went too far. All right. Did you did you need those muscles to blink? Did you? <laughs> <laughs> you had to pick between the two. I mean, honestly, like. I, oh yes, yeah, sloughing out or lunking out. Yeah, I would suppose I'd rather lunk out if I had to. Yeah. I'll tell you something interesting. In my trade, we've always had these guys show up, you know, and they're all buffing everything, thinking they're badass. Be amazed at how many of those guys didn't make a day. Oh, I believe. See, that's that's what I was going. Endurance. To say. Well, a lot of times they don't endurance. have. They have their. They have a lot of muscles, but they have no what I like to call practical strength. Like you can't do too much regular stuff. But you know, I can. You know, I can deadlift seven seven hundred pounds. <laughs> and and uh, whoever needs to deadlift seven hundred pounds, uh, but I may need to put some sheetrock up one day or. So, you know, do I may need to walk a mile one day, or you know, and, yeah. and seventy and, pounds four hundred times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we call it old man strength. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I think those guys, like, and I shouldn't make a blanket statement like that either, because that's not fair. Because it's not everyone. But I think what happens with the majority is 
they start looking like this and everything, and it goes to their head. Like, because it's yeah. not honestly how they look. I don't care. But a lot of people that tend to look that way at this gym, yeah. in particular, seem like pricks. Like, and that's like they're just looking around with like this pissed off look on their face, and like you better not go use the yeah you know, the weight that they were using to last. And, yeah, yeah. They, 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 and they're eyeing what you're lifting. And they're eyeing. Yeah, yeah, they'll, yeah, they'll sit yeah. on the machine that they're using. They'll be on their phone, and you kind of come over like, yeah, I try to just get a quick workout. I'm like, hey, can I use that? And, no, I'm using it back to his phone. All right. Yeah. All right. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, a little, little douche. There's some correlation there. Sometimes you can get a couple of these cats that are a little douchey, to yeah. say, the, say the least. This is not an endorsement, but I will say, you know, one gym I really have enjoyed uh, in our uh, sheer desperation, just because, you know, so many companies, so I'm on a fixed budget now. But that kind of fitness is pretty cool. They get everybody from pretty buff people to not in shape people at all, and they are absolutely mandatory about you don't judge anybody that walks in this place. You support everybody that comes in here. I like that. It's the first time I've ever been in a gym that was like that. Yeah, I, I, I love yeah. that concept. Yeah, it's like the cool. commercials. Yeah, the commercials. Yeah. commercials yeah. are great. Yeah. 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 And when you're in there, there's everybody's is. It's a yeah. mixed bag, cool. and everybody's cool. But of course, no, I don't go to the gym. I swim. Yeah. Get to wear speedo. There you go. The girls wear. I mean, when you swim, you have no pride. Because it is what it is. But you get a nice tan. <laughs> okay. To be fair, I wear a So you just got to, you know, <laughs> if, if it's hanging over a little bit or it's hanging a little low, you just got to walk out there with pride, keep your chin up, and get in the pool. Now, I'm a big boy. So when it comes time to get into the outside pool here in a couple of weeks, and that water's cold... All them zero-fat butt dudes I swim with, they ain't there, their teeth are chattering so loud I can hear them from 10 paces away. I just walk by and rub the belly and I get in and I go, insulation. I hate it. I just think the fact that people are trying. I just admire like that, that so much about people. Like, you know that you got something to work on and you work on it. Congratulations. I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you just... Being able to master one's self it doesn't mean that you need Bingo. to, you know, you don't need to lunk out. But but knowing that you know you're like I said, you you know you know your issues and you're working on those. Take care of it. Yeah, yeah. Taking care of your business. Yeah. You fix the body because there's nothing we can do. You don't take care of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? what? I think that was I think that was the proper last word. Right, yeah. And I'm gonna let you say that one more time. Say so you work on your body because there's nothing we can do about your face. <laughs> hey, you can search for the Loft Party Podcast on iTunes Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, and on our Good Times with Good People YouTube channel. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Tweet us on Twitter, and if you like the content we provide, donate to us on Patreon. www.patreon.com forward slash Loft Party Podcast. You can find all of our links below. And now back to our regularly scheduled program. So I've got a, a pretty serious uh, RIP uh, this episode. Um, Normally, I do like celebrities or whatever that pass and do RIPs, but um, I would be 
remiss, to say the least, if I did not do this particular RIP because uh, I knew this kid. I knew this kid from birth. Um, Harry, Harry J. Davis, he is the son of, uh, uh, actually, uh, a really good friend that I grew up with from childhood and uh, my, my daughter's mother. They, they want to get married and haven't had more, more children. And so this is their, their firstborn son. And, uh, and he was killed early, early Saturday morning, like four o'clock in the morning. Um, and, and, and over nothing, you know, it was, you know, Chicago. Yeah. 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 He came in with, uh, two or three other guys that he knew. I don't know where they were coming in from, but it was like, you know, I said quarter to four, four o'clock in the morning. And, uh, and they, when they got him in the apartment, they tried to rob him, and he wasn't going for it. And they shot him in the head for it. And uh, so, my quick diatribe, because uh, I don't, I don't want to get into it too deep, but I do want to say, one, uh, uh, rest in peace, uh, young Harry. I know that you're leaving behind a lot of people that love and care about you. Uh, two. Um, Chicago in particular, but everywhere in general, we've got to we've got to do something about the senseless violence that's happening in a lot of our cities, um, down to the you know individual that's you know that they're trying to rob on the street all the way up to just a dude who loses his whole mind and goes into school and shoots it up. But, we, we we are at, we're 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 at we're if we're not at we're getting close to a point of fever pitch with this level of, of violence and we've got to do something about it. I'm not going to claim to have all the answers uh, at all, but what I will say is, you know, I was saying to Chris before the show started, you know, this. There's this movie, uh, if you haven't seen it out there in podcast land, you should please go and rent it. Uh, it is subtitled, just uh, just a disclaimer, but um, it's actually, from a cinematography standpoint, it's an amazing movie. Uh, it's a movie called City of God. Um, it's about uh, a favela in Brazil that kind of gets taken over by... Um, these drug dealers and but the kind of underlying there's two underlying stories there's there's a there's a kid who's talented he's a photographer and he he just wants to live and get out of this favela whenever he can and then the other under, underlying story is of the the drug dealer that runs kind of runs that crew and he's uh, an unattractive guy. He, you know, doesn't have much luck with women, and, you know, unless he's, uh, you know, being forcible with them, you know. And but what he sees around him um, is, you know, is attractive guys that he feels are are lesser men than him. That, you know, they're attractive, they're charismatic, they're 
they do well with women and and you know and he does everything in his power to to hurt or kill them and take advantage of the girls that they that they're dealing with and so it's kind of a power struggle of the photographer wanting to get out and how they eventually can take back control of the favela from this from this drug dealer and I immediately, as soon as I heard about this, I immediately thought about City of God because, like I say, I know this kid. I've known him since he was born. He was a really attractive kid. And, uh, and you know, I always, you know, he's you know, always pretty well dressed. He's always had some money in his pocket. Girls gravitate toward him just, just because. And, uh, you know, it's just really a cautionary tale about not everybody is your friend. And, uh, and unfortunately, he might have been a little too trusting. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and and so, you know, I want to, I want to say, like I said, rest in peace to him and to his family. I am, uh, I am praying for you um, to get some peace and some understanding through this whole thing, because because uh, it's pretty horrific. No parent wants to. Wants to bury a child. We need to talk about that on some podcast because it's too deep of a subject. Oh yeah, with the uh, what the cartels are doing. Oh yeah, and some of the things we can do to shut down the cartels and the drug traffic and things like that. It, 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 it just I don't even want to go into it because it is too deep of a subject. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. a basic lack of respect for human life. Yeah, It's also much deeper with it. this. Most of and you've said this, Rio. Most of Chicago, this is drug fuel. This is gang territory. Yeah, who's I mean, selling, you know, who's selling who? Who's selling where? Who's control what? A lot of it comes from that. Yeah. Am I correct? Yeah, it's like you know, it's like like I said, I don't want to get too same, deep, but it's definitely yeah. It's like you know, it's in it, the the horrible thing is really a uh, it's really a poverty issue because you know you get these neighborhoods where you get you know parents who are unemployed or underemployed, and then. A lot of these cities used to have programs for youth to be able to do some kind of summer jobs or something like that, and 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 a lot of the cities that uh, don't have the funding to do those anymore. So, you know, these kids are just out there, just out there on the streets having to kind of fend. And um, so, with not the level of supervision maybe that they should have, on top of you know just you know, poverty and everybody trying to get by, and you condensed that type of population into such a concentrated I area. Yeah. Then you know you you nothing but rubbing up rubbing yeah. up against bad stuff every yeah, day. Every, every day. day, yeah. And, and so day. and it's and it's ugly. You know, and it's ugly. And uh, like I say, I have no uh, I have no solutions for it today. And and we will definitely do a podcast on this particular subject, but I definitely wanted to extend that particular uh, rest in peace. And okay, here we go. So first thing, uh, Chris Rock, I saw he was on, uh, I want to say, yeah, it was t- t- Tonight Show, and he was talking about, um, he was, first of all, he was side-splittingly just tears out your eyes funny even in that short amount of time that they're interviewing you on tonight's show but he did say something real profound and he was saying that the 
that the Greeks used to uh, used to say that they would not elect a famous person or even let a famous person run for office. Um, and I thought about that in terms of uh, our politics today. And, um, and I was thinking with that, you know, like a Donald Trump would never have been able to run. But it also would have affected Hillary because she wouldn't have been able to run um, for a different reason. Because the other part of what he says <laughs> which I thought was hilarious, but but super poignant. He says, uh, he said, uh, you know, why why aren't elections at least held to the same standard as uh, as the radio stations uh, contest rules? <laughs> you know, and I thought about that. No relatives. Yeah, and so uh, I just randomly look on a radio stations contest rules and it says. Yeah, you got to be 18 years of older to play in the resident of the United States. Uh, no person necessary uh, to, to, to enter or win. Uh, but any agents of the station um, or anybody, um, uh, family members, uh, anybody living in the same household um, are not eligible to participate. Uh, and of course, uh, one prize per contestant, um, per contest period, um, and I thought that that was pretty hilarious, but also pretty apropos because it got me to thinking about the fact that Trump and the Republicans in Congress just pushed through the American Health Care Act, at least through Congress. And it got me to thinking, if we excluded famous people, like, or people related to people who've already held office, at least uh, same household related. Who would have run? Would they have been any better? And would we now be uh, starting all over again with health care? And uh, so it just got me, a, it's that, it's that question just posed in my mind. And then uh, the anonymous female uh, who who uh, can't be um, here on today's broadcast, but um, uh, she sent me, we have these calendars, and uh, hers is um, movie quotes, because we both love movies, and sometimes I think some of those quotes are apropos to be titles of the podcast, and then mine actually is uh, just these odd fun questions, which is actually where I yank a lot of uh, my party game questions from. Um, so, I guess with all that said, let's talk about the American Health Care Act. Um, so, uh, the Republicans in Congress pushed it through with one vote to spare. Um, and so now it's going to have to go through the Senate, which it will more than likely get, uh, if not completely, almost completely rewritten. And then it'll have to go back through the House. Let's go to conference. Yeah, and... Uh, and then it goes back to the House. Yeah, right. So, as normally I start with Chris, but I think I'll start with, with the other Chris. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so, what do you think about 
the American Health Care Act? And uh, well, first of all, do you know enough about what they pushed through? <clears throat> I don't know the details. I felt like the uh, Democratic Party pushed through. Obviously, Clinton's tried it in the 90s and didn't go through. Nobody was able to get it through. <clears throat> and like anything that's done by the government, the intention is good, <clears throat> but the implementation is poor. And all of a sudden, we spent you know $800 million to cover a very small minority of people. And I think those people should have access to health care coverage, but it went burden to the rest of the system. So for dollars and cents sake, I'm a business guy. In 2001, when I was carrying a Blue Cross Blue Shield policy on me and my family, it was about $1,100 a month in for the family. For the family, in 2001 dollars. So how many how many people in the family? A uh, family of five. Okay. My wife, right. three kids. Okay, give us some pers- yeah. dollar perspective. Yeah, dollar perspective. And uh, at that time, if I had to been an owner of the company, I couldn't afford to work there. Mm. At that rate. Just as a quick question, yeah. Like, uh, in, without divulging too much, sure. what, what were the rough ages that we're talking about amongst the five? Oh, and my wife and I at that time would have been in our forties, and the kids would have been teenagers to ten. And boys versus girls. Two boys, one girl. She stayed in policy through the Builders Association here. I used to be in construction and stuff, and I carried some policies through them. But anyhow, so that's in those dollars and cents. And fast forward, I ended up taking a job with a large company and getting really good benefits because we're a very small group of people, 15, 20 people, so it's hard, as Dave knows, to get good health coverage for smaller people, cost-effectively. And now those same health care costs are about $1,800 to $2,000 a month for just the two of us, just the wife and I. The kids are out of the equation. Luckily for me, my company pays about 80% of that. Mm-hmm. So my burden or cost is not as significant, but still a significant cost to the company to do business. And that's a pretty large company of about uh, 3,200 employees. Mm-hmm. So you multiply that out, what's costing the cost of doing business? And uh, I don't think there's any easy answers to that. Uh, I don't know enough about the current what's being pushed through mm-hmm. to commentate on it, but I think there need to be changes. Um, but we need to see where that's going. Chris, uh, I was just saying, other oh, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I've always had a couple of things because I've, I've been in your position before mm-hmm. um, on your business, and we paid 100 percent of everybody's health insurance, um, and the uh, rates that it rose. Every year, same trick every every time. They, you get an insurance carrier calls you, they give you a great deal. Second year is probably about fair. Third year, you're Jack, yeah, the yeah. It's about 20 25% annual increase, mm-hmm. and then you have to go find another carrier and start the whole cycle over, and it gets a little ridiculous. What I would say is, on a side note, one, completely disagree with Chris Rock. If you did that, you would never have had John Quincy Adams as president, nor would you have had FDR as president. So I would. Uh, not go for the famous person or family member clause. But aside from that, uh, I've always said that the biggest thing that they need to do is mitigate risk. This is what insurance companies want to do is mitigate risk. So the larger the group you can be in, the better off you are. So this is where individual policies kill you. So when everybody's saying, okay, 
all these rates rose during Obamacare and yada yada. Well, now there's all these individual people on there who can't group their risk together, and so it becomes insanely unaffordable for insurance companies. So why you see them pull out of states and get out of Obamacare all together. Mm-hmm. So that's one. Secondly, the biggest two problems that insurance has in America is the inability to sell it interstate, which is just ridiculous to me. I mean, you have to sell it interstate, you cannot sell it interstate. So I've used this example a thousand times. If you're an insurance company in Detroit and you can mitigate your risk by employing Salt Lake City and insuring them, well, all of a sudden your risk factors go way down. You know, so you can you can uh, afford to have cheaper rates, which is nice. It's a very heavy regulated industry already. Um, and then I would say third is tort reform is a massive, massive, massive problem. And so people always throw out the percent. Well, it's only two percent. Well, no, that's the punitive damages of the insurance company's loss. What it doesn't count is the fact that they make you go see a primary care physician, then a specialist, and you go through this entire cycle. And I've told the story a thousand times. My brother tours ACL in Mexico, paid $2,000 cash, had it fixed up. The doctor told him to stay off your feet for six weeks and then start rehab. And he's like, man, it's a Mexican doctor. So he came back uh, and went to his doctor, blah, blah, blah. They sent him on his specialist. $30,000 later in medical bills, they said, you know what you should do is stay up your baby for six weeks and then start rehab. <laughs> yeah, and it's so stupid that it's beyond belief. We're just so scared of getting sued, you know, that you just do test after test after test and nobody wants the litigation and all those kinds of things. So uh, those are enormous problems that were never addressed in Obamacare. The one thing that I fear the most about the way that they have the new bill is... Yes, they left it in there that pre-existing conditions are covered, but they got, re- they got rid of the caps on the increases that you can charge those people. So you can have cancer, and yes, somebody has to take you, but at a rate that you may never possibly be able to afford, which is the exact same as not having insurance at all. You know, and so that, to me, becomes an enormous problem that needs to be addressed. Um, so I don't know. Uh, health insurance is a very tricky deal. I also know a lot of people who actually could afford health insurance and choose not to spend their money on health insurance. They choose to buy a boat or go on a trip or do any other things instead of spending the money on health insurance. Especially, especially younger Americans. That goes particularly to the millennial generation. Yes, what I'm saying. They, they have did pretty well entirely kind of stayed off. They didn't have to the business. They didn't want to go get it to Obamacare. Well, so that, that to me was one of the biggest problems our rates were so high for such a long time is when you didn't have to help have health insurance, kids were staying off of health insurance and not paying into a system, which um, they were the ones who cost the least. You know? And lowest risk, lowest premiums. Oh my God, it's ridiculous. And then even beyond that, like to deny the difference between the fact that women go to the doctor more, they have Obviously, we have no risk of pregnancy here, but they have a very high risk of pregnancy, you know, through a certain amount of time. That's an expensive policy to try to cover off on, uh, which is why I asked the question about age and gender mm-hmm. risk. All those things come into play. There's actuarial tables that just oh, yeah. these guys just sit there and figure out what the risk factor is and go from there. So uh, it's a tricky issue, but I think if you were, I think if there was a good law, and again, you know, I, I'm not a lawmaker, so I don't know exactly how to write it, but I do know that in the insurance industry, B 
being able to mitigate your risk means everything. And those are three things that you could very easily do to make healthcare far more affordable for people. Far more affordable. So it would be interesting to see uh, what this compromise bill, which I don't think is a, has a chance in holy hell of passing, once it's all said and done, um, will look like. What do you think, Big Day? Uh, I'm going to tackle this one with a little different issue. And we've, we've talked before on podcasts about how I have to handle my business. Uh, I agree with Chris in, in, in one thing in particular. Um, in the construction industry, a lot of us are members of the National Home Builders Association, and which is a large organization, and uh, we pay a lot of PAC money to be able to go to lobby in Washington to help our interest. Uh, one of the interesting questionnaires that came across this recently was, you know, why do you think about group health insurance through the HB, you know, going through the whole thing? Well, we can get into a larger group instead of a little company like mine trying to pick up health insurance for everybody. Um, you know, my, my wife and I right now is $1,500 a month for our health insurance. She's 62, I'm 58. All right? So this, this is where it's gotten, this has gotten a little bit crazy. Uh, the political issue is, is that I think I've, I've really been rather interesting in watching the Democratic Party and Pelosi and, and some of those in particular that really pushed through, you know, the ACA. And I refuse to call it Obamacare. I didn't write this. We call it Trumpcare either. It was the ACA, and this is going to be whatever American healthcare. That version of it's going to be AHA. Yeah. And, and they really didn't crash Obama, you know, the ACA. Um, they are working within somewhat of its confines. But the, the, the news medias that are slanted towards against Trump and anybody, Republicans, but I should say Republicans, not even Trump, just Republicans, have come out and said, this pre-existing, they're going to kill everybody. The Democratic Party's been out there telling us we're going to kill everybody since 1995. <laughs> I mean, it's just getting ridiculous. On the pre-existing conditions, they aren't going away. They're going to put $8 billion into it, above the $130 billion they already have in it, okay? And in 20 years, they're going to add another $130 billion to it. So they're, they're trying to get it to where they're kind, kind of keeping it going so people that are having this policy already still have the ability to have this policy. Now, as you get older, you should have to pay more. And this is the thing. The younger people should have to pay less. So when we're telling younger people that you got to carry this, this weight to help the older people, uh, I think they should pay what they need to pay. As you get older, you're going to have more risk. You're going to have more surgeries. You've got more risk of things. You, you should be paying a little bit more. And you, but you, what has to be understood by the American public is that you have to continually take care of yourself. We need to have serious wellness plans. Wellness programs. That, that, that motivate people that in the long term you have to do this. Because this house, if you get into this, which is what they tried to do with the ACA, but they didn't really, it really wasn't a well-written law. There was too many, too many holes in it to be able to make people do this. You know, like my workers want to take health insurance and they, they paid a $650 fine. Well, next year they paid a $1,000 tax or whatever they call it. And it was, it was doomed to fail. It was going to fail. And, 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 and my interesting thought I had today was that the Democratic Party really didn't think that 
anybody else is going to get elected but them. And I really think in the long term they really want a single payer health system. That's what they were shooting for. Um, yeah, honestly, I do believe that that's true. And uh, I may be in the minority at this table, but uh, honestly, honestly, I think until America's willing to take a serious, serious look at single payer, we're going to continue to have these problems. If your if your system is based on people buying a product. People can always decide not to buy a product. But, yes, other countries may have higher personal uh, income taxes or whatever, but the trade-off is you get sick and you're a lower-income person. You just go to the doctor. You know. Now, I think for America there's got to be a hybrid in the middle somewhere. There's got to be a single-payer uh, option for lower income because I do think that anybody that's higher income um, and can afford to pay for your own uh, health care issues um, probably could and should. Um, now, I know that that's unpopular with the insurance companies because they're going to lose a lot of people off their rolls. But I think everybody that's on their rolls will be uh, customers that they could go ahead and they could charge. They could charge a premium for because these are the people that are act, that can actually afford it. I think what, what's going to happen or what, what we're seeing happen is that you get a lot of people who really just, they really just can't afford to pay for health insurance. But they also have a ton of medical issues that need to be addressed some kind of way. And I don't, and, and once again, I don't know if I have all the answers, but I do, I don't see, I don't see any law that mandates you buying a product being the solution. And that's what, that's what the ACA had in it, is that you had to buy this product. Now, or those penalties. That mandate was, was the biggest failure of it. Now, why couldn't we do this? And I mentioned this before. Why couldn't we set up a system? And, and, and here's where it also, everybody would say, and this is a regressive tax. Even the poor folks got to pay some tax on it. Yeah. Everybody has to pay some tax on this. But we set up a basic health care plan as a single-payer plan, and it gets you basic health care. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, <coughs> for those of us who choose to be more industrious or have better fortune, we're able to go out and, and, and get our insurance plans, our supplemental insurance plans, that allow us to get the health care that we want. Yes. And we can do it in groups. We can do it in a lot of these things. So now, haven't we created that hybrid plan you're talking about? It, it, it still allows America to be America. It allows American capitalism to be American. Capitalism. Right, right. And that's the one thing we, we don't want to shoot. We, get away from. we don't want to shoot. I mean, this is a capitalist <coughs> society, and we and we're not going to be able to shoot 
capitalism in the foot. We're just not going to be able to. It's a bad idea. But, um, go ahead, Chris. I know it's monster and stuff, but let me throw one thing out. One, there's a reason you see Canadians coming to America for surgeries uh, and not going to Canada. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it is a mess. I do. Despite Michael Moore's movie. I do recognize that. So what, what you don't want to do is kill uh, the innovation that we do have in our, in our medical system, which is pretty reasonable. What I do think is you need to start from the ground up and look at insurance because people use insurance as going to the hospital, going to the emergency room, doing all these other things, when really you could probably set up, especially in today's day and age, and you're starting to see it happen a lot more often, um, is here's a telemedicine where you can video Skype by the doctor and it costs you 50 bucks. Like, you really don't need to go to the emergency room for a cold most of the time. 75% of the crap that they see in emergency rooms could just be handled by yeah. these little minute clinics, but people insist on going pay for it. You can really pay for it yourself. You know, there, there is a possible way to look at insurance and say, really, let's address medical issues. Let's not address crap. I mean, crap is crap. Like, when you just have a cold and you run off to the emergency room, it should cost you a lot of money because you should have just gone to a minute clinic. That would cost you 70 bucks. You know? Yes. And that, that is part of a big, big academic and, uh, and rethinking in this society and just saying, no, you don't always get to go to K-Med when something goes wrong. You can go to the K-Med clinic on Johnson Drive for 50 bucks or 75 bucks or whatever it is and get your cold medicine there because that's probably all you probably need. all you need and right. a lot of them have x-ray machines in them now yeah. and all that kind of stuff it's ditched up maybe all, all the stuff. stuff people go to the doctor for and it's super inexpensive and honestly it's barely more than your copay or, or, or to go to the emergency yeah. room for something that small so yeah I mean you I know just whereas you, you shouldn't be going to the emergency room you need to go to an urgent care place yeah, exactly and like, yeah, like, 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 I mean yeah you, like you broke a bone or you've got you know, something that's really serious that it, it's not the cold or flu. They can, they can or, set a bone in a, in a minute clinic in a second. That's not very hard to do. They could also x-ray you and do all those kinds of things if you even have a broken bone. But you get back to your current form of liability. So, so, but there. you're starting to see more and more of them pop up. And then I also I think if, you, if you've been like watching some of the billboards pop up on I-35, I think it's St. Luke's that has a thing now where you can just uh, Skype your doctor. You know, or FaceTime or whatever the case may be. And you know, yeah, we have a wellness support program, Ask a Nurse program. Yeah, I mean, there's a million of them. If people would stay off of a WebMD and actually go and just call somebody who knows what the hell Rather than trying to self-diagnose. Sure. Yeah. And then leave the real problems for the hospitals that really need the good doctors and can take care of that. So I'm very sorry, Brian, go ahead. I didn't, I didn't mean to call. Well, yeah, as, as, as the millennial in the room... You, we, need, you, we need the other opinion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, first of all, I think that's great. I think that we shouldn't be looking at healthcare as just this one term of everything falls underneath it. There, are, it's like serious issues, um, maybe long term issues, maybe in, you know all these things where hey, I got strep throat, all this kind of thing. I know what it is. Um, you know, there's always the joke of whether indeed you go on there and you're most likely. Going to die in the next few days. <laughs> right, everything, everything leads to death. I don't know. It's 
It's a mess. I mean, um, just kind of hearing the conversation, I think it's, I mean, it's true. If people aren't forced to, if you have the option to buy something or not, I mean, right? I mean, this has been part of our conversations all, all along is like millennials feel that they don't have money and they're not going to spend it on that. And they're like, ah, I never get sick. Like, the last time I went to the doctor was uh, two years ago, probably. I mean, I should probably go in for a checkup every once in a while just for like, just because, but you know, I don't, I don't get sick that often. If I do, it's, it's just a head cold or something. I'm not too concerned. Did you about go it. get a physical every two years? Yeah. Do you do that? Well, I mean, I, that's where I, why I was there last time. So well, I, would, see, I think that's what's important. This is a, this is another young people need to go get physical. Also. What you're saying. How many millennials do you know that can't pick up their bar tab uh, every weekend and also can't afford? cable TV or apps or things like that. Right. So, yeah. And that's where I was going with this. At some point, I had a choice um, with, yes, I've been working for companies that have covered a lot of my uh, a lot of my healthcare costs, but at, at some point I still have a choice with um, you know, I would go with the high deductible and therefore do I want to put money into my HSA? And I could say no, and I could go use that money to go to the bar. I probably couldn't buy a boat, uh, but it'd be pretty cool if I could. Um, <laughs> You'd be surprised. And at some point, I said no. You know what? This is important to me because though I am not sick and I do not get sick often, if that happens, I am in really big trouble because there's no one to catch me. Um, and so... I wanted, so I started putting money into an HSA and my having that ultimate goal to say, I want to have enough in there that I cover my um, out of, maximum out of pocket. Mm -hmm. And now, um, now I'm in a much like, since, the, since I made that choice, it's been very good because uh, I've been paying into it. And then a lot of times these companies will match, like companies will match Pick whatever you pay into. If you work good so enough. why would I not, you know? And so I'm doing this, and it's just building over time. And every once in a while, I, you know, I get something in the mail, like the quarter statement, saying, hey, this, I'm actually pretty close to my out-of-pocket max at some point. And now um, I'm, and I get to keep that forever um, or use it. it. It doesn't go away. This, this rules in. It is a savings account. And that's what it should be. And, and that's, that's what it should be. Right, and that's, right. that's the interesting thing about HSA. So that's something I've always wanted to try to do through my business, mm -hmm. where I don't have to go out and find a health care plan for my people. I give, they have several options they can pick up, but I do, I, I either put, put in, I'd love to be able to put in 75% of what their average health care costs into an HSA for each person. I think that would help me hire good well, people, they, retain good people, right. all right, and then they pay 25%. But that's how it started in the first place. Well, kind of similar to what you did, and you guys were able to go on. Insurance companies want people to do that, because that... That makes it cheaper for them, I believe. I think that's the case. Yeah, actually, they get the full uh, recoup of their money. Oh, okay. So yeah, well, so and, and I know it's even Medicare and Medicaid. You're averaging about twenty-eight cents on the dollar that you turn in. Oh. The key there is people manage their money right. better than they would an insurance company's money. So if you have an HSA, you're gonna be a little more judicious. Right. So you know what? This is a great example. So and now I'm in. Like since I started all of that, I've gotten into a relationship, and it's much more serious now. And so now I'm starting to think. Like I'm looking down this column, this single thing, and I'm starting to say, well, what would be the maximum out of pocket for a family someday down the road? Because you can, 
that becomes part of that part. too if I want it to be. And uh, so now I can have a new goal to start working towards for some day when that happens. That's, and that's personal responsibility. And exactly. that's one thing that kind of has to go in here. And there, there even people who have caused much fortune or a little poorer, you still need to try to understand. I may not have money to put into an HSA because I'm just trying to live every day. Right. But you know, I need I need to be smart about what I'm buying at the grocery store. I need to get a salad, and not a bunch of Twinkies well, and Cheetos. And I want to answer your question, Chris. Is how many people do I know? Other than me, I would say probably two people that I know my age that that do pay to an HSA. Um, and I would say I could probably count on both hands um, the number of people I know that probably even know what an HSA is. So ten percent of that would be just hardly any. How many? How many do you know that could afford a basic uh, catastrophic insurance policy that are your age that almost would never have to use it? The risk of them using it is so low, and they decide not to do it. You know, I mean, I remember, and God bless her, I love her to death, one of my favorite people in the world, but. My sister-in-law decided to fly out to Colorado all the time to see her boyfriend instead and get cable TV instead of putting money into uh, buying insurance. She's like, insurance is way too unaffordable. Well, flying to Colorado twice a month seemed affordable. You know, and, you know, that kind of stuff and going out with your friends, that's affordable. It's just, it really is a matter where you want to spend your money sometimes. And I would not discount Dave's point at all that this is a very unhealthy country. And we yes. do a lot of things to encourage unhealthiness uh, in poor lifestyle choices. And then we're surprised when we get hit with these catastrophic illnesses and go, oh, my God, it's going to bankrupt me. Well, yeah, it's going to. You've been living <laughs> I, like an ale for a long time. <laughs> I've got a quick story. This is a friend of Chris and I. It has to do with dental work. He has very bad teeth. He chews tobacco. And he comes in and he says, lost another tooth the other day. And I looked at him and I said, when's the last time you went to a dentist? Oh, about 20 years ago. All right. So it's going to cost you $30,000 to get your teeth fixed, and you're bitching about it, right? Well, yeah. I said, so you haven't been to a dentist in 20 years. So if you've been going to the dentist every year and doing what you're supposed to do and had some crowns and then all this stuff, over 20 years, how much money would you have probably spent? Somewhere 15000 to 20000 so you could have spent fifteen to twenty thousand taking care of your teeth, gotten everything straightened out, and your old bald, ugly head would look decent with a head of teeth in it. <laughs> and you might be, and you might be getting laid, which he isn't anymore. Or you can pay at the end. So you know that's that's some Americans sure. in, in a nutshell, right there. They're, they're, they don't take care of themselves, and then when it comes it to the end, they go, "This isn't fair. This isn't fair." Well, these. You should have done the basics at least. You know? I disagree, but I will say that I, I am baffled that dental and vision are not covered under basic insurance policies. I just think that. Michelle and I have to carry our separate. We have a separate policy. You know, percentages uh, and they're a bunch of garbage, and the way they work out is a I have long term health that we carried from UMB, and uh, we were able to, you know, fortunately it's portable, but we're still paying all our long care health care. We're, we're, Michelle and I believe in staying pretty heavily, sure. You know. To be able to cover things that'll happen to you. So I go to Mexico, it's 40 bucks for a cleaning, and then I'll give you a fill in for another 25 bucks, and you're done, and you walk out of there, and right. give the dude 100 bucks, and walk away. 
I think the unhealthy habits are kind of a twofold reason. One is, I think it starts off with people that smoke cigars and yeah. drink too much. Every Monday night. I would say you know, it starts off with a little bit of a lack of, of education in the sense that, I mean, I remember growing up and we were eating Eggo waffles for half our meals and, you know, drown that stuff in sugar like syrup, right? I mean, that's that's not good for you. And, I mean, but it tastes you know, good. It, it tastes good. <laughs> so, like, you kind of get, and, you know, I don't want, like, it's not fair to, maybe it is fair to blame my, blame my parents, but it's so funny. My mom comes up here every once in a while, and, you know, the thing, almost every time she does, she's like, I didn't realize how bad these things were for you growing up, and I would have, you know, not done that. Okay, so, you know, whatever happened in the past is what it is, but I think people get, I don't think that that's an isolated example. I think that happens. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, I think when, I, it's, you know, I guess uh, taking the, the side of the uh, un or uh, substantially underemployed, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, let's say, you know, you get a small family of three or four and, you know, and it, you know, money's just... Just extremely tight. Every, uh, every dollar goes to living every oh, day. Yeah, exactly. I understand so, that too very well. You know, so the the types of choices <laughs> that you make at that point, you know, are, you know, do we make sure we have something to eat, or do we, you know, you know, with this with this, you know, one hundred and fifty dollars that we have to spend on on groceries for the four of us, or do we? You know, or do we, uh, you know, put toward, you know, a health savings plan, you know, and I, I think most people say, well, I need to put food on the table. And I think, I think the bigger problem isn't that you need to put food on the table, because obviously you do, but, you know, I think to your point, you know, it's, you know, you you've got to say, okay, look, you know, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to buy, you know, because I, I see people do it all the time, you know. Fried they, food all yeah, the time. Yeah, like it's, it's always always fried or always fast food or uh, or, or if they eat at home, it's... Uh, at times it's McDonald's. Yeah, it's time, or, time or, again. Or, or, you know, a, a ton of uh, sodas and you know, well, stuff I, that you... I agree with that, and that's so. I think that we get into a habit, but I guarantee almost anyone you talk to that's at any of our ages know that all those things are bad for you. That at some point, it's not an education thing. Maybe yeah. it, be, it was yeah, when you were younger, but at some point, you learn. At least now, in, in the way that things are, um, and so that happens. Better. But I think what, what you got into a habit. Like people get into habits of. So easy, it's so easy to go across the street right here and go grab some um, Jimmy John's, right? A yeah. bag of chips. Do I want a cookie with that? Yes. You know, go look that up. That cookie has as many calories in it as that sandwich. Oh, absolutely. It's like, and it's good. And that's the thing is, it's it, after the whole you get into a habit, it becomes really hard. You know, it's bad for you, but it's really hard to say I'm not going to eat those bad things because they're delicious. I mean, it's sugar, like the, sugar and salt are more addicting than any drug right. that, you can, that you can take. Today, I swim. Yeah. Good exercise. I go to Jimmy John's. I, I get a nice salad and a little cup of pozole verde soup. By God, I'm going to have that ice cream cone on the way out. <laughs> Every time. You cannot stop yourself from going back and get that ice cream cone. 
Yeah. One more question. Is this, a, this is something that I've been thinking about for a long time <coughs> since you brought it up. You're a family of four or five. Did you have the budget for four or five? You know, I mean, is there no life planning that goes into saying, I'm just going to do what I can afford, the kids are freaking expensive. We'll buy a house, I can afford. There's a million dollars to buy a car. You know, and, you know. But they have to be educated to do that, and I think that's the main problem, Mario, is that they don't have the examples to teach them that this is how you need to live. I'll tell you, I don't, I don't buy I think, that at all. I think, well, I think it's a tough situation for a lot of folks that they don't have, they haven't been taught that discipline. They don't that. have a lot of discipline in their lives. A lot of them do. So I'll throw it. My, my brother went to the University of Michigan. I may have told this before. And his major is one of 13 people with a World Health Organization major where they went around large pharmaceutical companies, paid them to go to Africa and set up these AIDS clinics and do all this other kind of stuff. And... As Americans, I think there's this big notion of, well, AIDS is such an enormous problem in Africa because they're just, they don't know about it, they, they're uneducated about it, and so just teach them how to spread and how to control, you know, change behavior and everything fun. They knew more about HIV and AIDS down there than we do in America by a mile and a half. It was just that the culture was so male-dominated that they weren't about to change their culture. It was... That's how it was spread. It wasn't just ignorance. It was just yeah. they chose to take the risk. Yeah. And at some point, you're like, okay, I mean, I definitely feel bad for anybody with HIV and AIDS. I'm not defending that at all. I am saying it's not just a matter of education. At some point, education lets you know what you should and shouldn't do. If you're 20 and you're still eating egos, that's a problem. <laughs> you know not to eat egos at 20. Like, like, come on, everybody knows that. It is a matter of just making the choice to not do it. And at some point, that's got to think. And I agree with you with patterns, but patterns can be broken, especially if you know what the hell the risks are, then break the pattern. You know, it's just got to happen at some point. All right, so uh, we're going to be right back because we're going to pay a couple bills. Hey out there in podcast land, we would not be doing our duty if we didn't acknowledge the sponsors of the Law Party Podcast, the Majestic Restaurant and Jazz Club, and the Majestic's Pendergast Club. The Majestic carries on Kansas City's tradition of great food and jazz. Let them show you why they are the classic Kansas City Steakhouse experience. 931 Broadway, just three blocks from the Kansas City Convention Center. Jay Rieger and Company, a Kansas City distillery. Whether whiskey, gin, or vodka, neat or on the rocks, Jay Rieger, Kansas City, sipping good since 1887. CP Construction, Kansas City's premier wood framers, 50 years of quality framing and craftsmanship. Just email david.cnpservice at gmail.com and start building something new today. And our friend and frequent guest, Lane Boland. Thank you all for all that you do. Time to rejoin the conversation. Okay, so we're back, and uh, we were we are talking about uh, healthcare. Uh, we, uh, we originally started talking about uh, the American Healthcare Act, but um, we've kind of gotten into uh, a conversation about uh, the American public and just kind of... Uh, the responsibility issue, you know, and this is something that I, uh, this is something that I struggle with only because 
you know, growing up, you know, I've, you know, I know a lot of, I've known a lot of families that, you know, they just had to do whatever they had to do, and, uh, but I, I do agree with uh, everybody on the table that at a certain point, there does become a level of personal responsibility that you have to, uh, that you have to take on in order to just take care of yourself in the world. I mean, it's... It also leads to your success. Well, absolutely. And, you know, it's kind of what we were talking about earlier about, uh, you know, do you want, you know, an ugly face and a great body or a great body and an ugly face? You know, at the end of the day, I think we, we all agree you can work on your body. And... And not just going to work out, but you know, it's it's you know what what you put in your body. It's you know what you choose to fuel this machine with. You know, and I, I agree with you. It's about success, but we can't. I don't know that it's fair to talk about that at this table because everyone that's sitting here is very self-driven. Like they're going to go get it done. And there is a large portion of the population that are not like that. I mean, I used to date someone that was just wanted to get that job, maybe even before out of college, and just as long as it paid the bills, was fine with that until they retired. Yeah. And, you know, my, I mean, my brother, all he wanted to do was become a PE teacher. Like, he wanted to get that. And that's, I know he loves that job, but he's like, once I do that, basically, like, I don't have to do anything the rest of my life. And I thought that's, that's one of the saddest things I've ever heard. Like, I want to keep going and yeah. have that next goal, but, you know. That's just a personality thing because you're going to have leaders and followers. You know, right. you, you, you have to realize that. There are people that are motivated and they're likely to become successful and they'll hire people. And, you know, i got people who work for me that are just happy to work for the company. Yeah. And, you know, they want to be paid as much as I can pay them and I want to pay them as much as I can pay them. They don't want to go run a company. Yes. They have no desire for this. They just want to go do their eight hours every day. Yeah, I mean, that's, there's a And, and that's okay. Of, look, there's, you know, you know, talking about America in general, you know, I remember years ago hearing, you know, I was hearing a, kind of a debate about something similar to, to what we're talking about, and, you know, and everybody kind of had a very heady and academic response. And one guy was like, look, with all due respect, everything that all of you just said was bullshit. Because Americans, by and large, you know, they want their they want their cable TV, they want to, they want their sports, and they want to grab McDonald's or whatever their fast food choice is on, on the way home, and they want to they want to sit down in front of the TV at night and. Uh, and 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 let whatever's happening to their body just just happen because, like you said, they don't have that level of ambition or and and I don't know if and I dare to think that it's probably not an education issue. You know, I think it's just it's a motivation issue. You know, it's we've gotten lazy. Yeah. As Americans. Yes. And we're having trouble with our workforce and hiring people because they don't want to go out and do hard work anymore. 
And so, you know, this, this, is a, this is a thing that's evolved in our society from when you take them back in the 1800s, early 1900s, and everything on. Those people had work. Everybody yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't believe that at all. And, and I'm sorry, like, I, I think, I honestly, if you believe, look around at the number of Fortune 5 companies right now that were started by 20 year olds mm-hmm. that are employing 20 year olds that are busting their ass. Or, 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 the or like Brian is like working all the time, you know, trying to make it work. There's a hell of a lot of young people out there who are trying to make it work. I don't think it's just a lazy generation <coughs> by any stretch. In fact, I think it's been a very innovative generation. What I do think is that uh, people ignore the fact that there's consequences to everything. We right. sit around here and go, ah, well, being successful is incredibly great. Generally, we mean financially successful is what we're talking about. Yeah, but, and but, I, but and, and, yeah, I know so exactly where you're going. It's own yeah. shit. You know, I mean, yeah. my dad made a lot of money. I never saw him ever. You know, I never saw him. So he made the choice to go work hard thinking he was smart and family. Never saw him. That's a consequence for him. We had a terrible relationship for a long time. You know, there's there's a penalty for everything you do and a reward for everything you do. So you get a lifestyle choice if you're a PE teacher and you feel rewarded and that's great and that's awesome. You could probably be home with your kids a lot more and hang out at their games and all that kind of stuff. Well, for me, I would never be able to do that. I mean, I would skip my kid's soccer game in a second. God forbid she ever plays soccer. I know she does not because I do not want to go to those games. But, you know, I know that Saturday and Sundays are my work days. That's when I go in and nobody bothers me and then I work almost all the day. And the penalty for that's going to be probably she's going to feel slighted and have resentment and all these other things. There's penalties and rewards for every single thing you do. And so it's just a matter of like, I'm not willing to take anybody's penalties as to the same degree that I wouldn't let anybody take my rewards. Like, forget it. Like, you know, I'm not pushing that stuff off on other people. You're your own person. Make up your own mind. If lifestyle means that much to you, which it does to a lot of millennials, great. But there are also a hell of a lot of millennials that are busting their ass all the time, starting huge companies, huge companies, you know, and employing millions of people, to be perfectly honest. Um, And I don't think it's a generational thing. I really just think people make decisions on their own personality. Yeah, and I don't know if I think it's generational either. I do think think it really does come down to uh, the choices that you... You know, it's kind of funny, you know, you always grow up hearing that phrase, uh, you know, uh, you know, money changes people. Mm-hmm. Um, I have personally never believed that phrase. I've always felt that money doesn't change you, money amplifies you. Uh, so if you were a douche, uh, but you were a broke douche, and you had no opportunity to be a douchebag, um, because uh, you had to be humble because you just didn't have the money to <laughs> to to be mean to people if you wanted to, if you wanted to uh, if if you suddenly get some money you will become what you are you you uh, and and by virtue uh, okay perfect example uh, well talk, talking about health talking about um, uh, I think we would all agree that uh, Oprah is super rich. Uh, 
being super rich, um, there's plenty of things that she can afford. One, uh, she can afford chef, she can afford uh, personal trainers, um, and there were stints in her life that she really tried with those things. But overall, it boiled down that she just liked to eat. <laughs> and, uh, and she made the choice to go ahead and eat. <laughs> and, uh, and, so, and so that now at 60-something, you know, she's, you know, all over uh, uh, Weight Watchers, you know, trying to, trying to get control of it. Where, uh, and, and so I, I definitely don't think it's uh, generational. I, I, I think finding your personal point of motivation is, um, is and, and I don't know if, if and I think the, the overall problem with Americans is that uh, there's a vast lack of marginal motivation for a lot of things. I would have to say that if you believe that theory, and I'll, I'd be willing to go along with it for a little bit, I do think that to a certain degree, money can amplify your douchebagness on this business. But in order to believe that, you would have to believe the corollary too, which is lack of money and letting yourself devolve into poverty or not having money and those things also amplifies a really shitty side of your personality too, uh, where you start to look to take things, I think, from people that have it and you don't want to work for it or whatever. I believe, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. They're, they're yeah. neither one of them. Yeah. Is good. I mean, yeah. No. I. I. I, I, I and, and, and I do believe that. And I do believe that. I and think. you also don't have to be rich to be successful. Oh, absolutely mm-hmm. not. See, and that's that's one thing that that's, that's hard to get by. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's some people, some people may live in a little house and have, have a couple kids. and yeah. might, might lead a very good life. Yeah. yeah and very and happy. Really life. happy and all that. You know, to, to Chris's point, you know, there's plenty of people who are broke and they find every way to uh, swindle and hustle and steal from everybody around them who is also broke. And then there's plenty of broke people who just, you know, they just keep their heads down and try to, you know, get to work every day and try to make it, you know. And uh, so, it, so, yeah, but so, you know, it, 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 I don't think that, I don't think that money makes you a douche, nor do I think that being poor makes you makes you an asshole, but I do think uh, having plenty of money and you have the propensity to be a douchebag will make you a big one, or having no money and the propensity to to to, to be a douchebag <laughs> will make you a big one. Hey, you having a good time? Let me introduce you to a couple of my media brothers. First www.americathemixtape.com A cipher on American politics, society, and culture. And where'd I get that mixtape? Of course, www.cornerbodega.us Purveyors of urban culture. Come on, let's get back to the party. You know, you know I, was, I remember having a conversation with somebody about uh, Justin Bieber and and, uh, and and when he was going through all of his stuff and uh, and uh, and they were like oh you know he's just he's you know he's such a such an ass and da, 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 da. 
And, uh, and I remember saying, okay, so let me ask you a question. Uh, if you were 20 and you had uh, $100 million and, and every adult you know works for you, would you be a nice person? And, uh, and, and of course, and want something of your pie. And, and so everybody's answer was, of course, I would be a better person. And I was like, first of all, fuck you, you're a liar. <laughs> you would be an asshole. I know you. I'm like, you're three seconds from an asshole now. <laughs> and I said, so, but I also know that there are other people that they would be amazingly altruistic and they would give to all kind of charities and they would do everything that they could do. And, you know, Saturday, um, me and Anonymous Female, her brother uh, uh, is a, a pastor at a Methodist church. And um, so he had this grand idea and he got together with several other churches in the Northland and they did, he wanted to do a day where uh, where they packed a hundred thousand meals. Of course, I'm thinking um, that's not possible. Yeah. Um, but he found this program where they packed these um, just like these plastic bags. They kind of look like the bags, like you get like a large bag of like granola. You know, um, and so we went up there and we wound up volunteering for like an hour and a half and they were working in hour shifts. Um, so long story short, um, each bag is, each bag, it basically it looks like you can make it into some kind of a soup or something like that. Uh, but each bag was eight meals. We wind up at the end of the day, they wound up packing 105,000 meals. Um, but, but getting to your point, you know, he's not a rich man. He doesn't even have a rich church. But he did something very rich. And exactly. So it's, it's the choices that you make and how you intend or plan to use what you do have, you know, yet, you know, growing up, you know, more gifts than just your money. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, you know, growing up, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, you know, we, and, uh, but my mom, you know, she's always really health conscious. She's always gone to the gym. Uh, and, and she always made sure that, you know, we had, you know, not just food in the house, but 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 good food in the house to eat, and uh, you know, and at least until I was eleven, it was just it was just the two of us, and uh, you know, and and so I learned that you know it really was about the choices, you know, because you know she didn't, you know she probably at the time didn't make 30000 But she found a way to, you know, keep, you know, healthy food in the house. She found a way to pay tuition for me to go to go to private school. 
you know, all all of the above, and uh, and and we made it work. And you know, those bags of baked meals. Yeah. I was poor once myself. Oh yeah. It's amazing how much five pounds of red beans and five pounds of white rice with some Cajun seasoning can make it last for a little while. <laughs> for, here a, for, for a little while. Yeah. For you a can eat a long time on that stuff. You can eat a long time. It gets that. old, but you can eat it. Yeah. 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 I've seen it go both ways. You know, I mean, I, I did grow up with money, it was nice, and then lost all of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then had to work your way back. So now I appreciate it. You know, right. I had to have some successful businesses that are run well. Still live in the same $100,000 house with my paid off Jeep from 2007 and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Because right. I appreciate where it was and I don't ever want to go back there. Right. And so right. you try to be cool with people and help out. Dave, I know you've done a lot of Sam trying to help out people. Uh, Brian, I think you're on the verge of becoming very successful because you work so hard, and I think that you'll be the kind of guy who appreciates it. Smarter than the rest of us, too. Wow, I know you'd scratch and plug for everything. Hey, 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 hey. Chris, I don't know you well enough to yeah, know. No strife, no strife. Yes, I mean, <laughs> like, and, and, which is great. You know, I mean, it's just, it, it's it's really a matter of but, but then how many lottery winners that lived in trailer parks lost everything later because they were a bunch of assholes and it is literally just an individual choice on what you're going to do and where you come from. Some, sometimes you appreciate it, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you, you don't know Look at the numbers like. of sports personalities that made a crap load of money and then were broke 10 years after they got out. You know, they, it's, it's still, that's, that, they made bad choices. It's a choice. Life's 90% what happens. Mm-hmm. 10% how you react to it, 10% what happens to you. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you can always choose the half full or half empty. And you may not have necessarily more money if you measure success that way, but I think you have a successful life, good family life, good right. relationships. And that would be a lifestyle value. In, for me, I've always valued money over lifestyle because I believe in an odd way if I can earn enough, that provides a great lifestyle to whoever I want to be around, and that's what you make money for. Yeah. Money for money sake is just stupid. But uh, there are a lot of professional athletes who have made it and took advantage of that opportunity. Ron Sherry with the, the Anheuser-Busch franchise, Eddie Kinnison's killing it, Joe Montana's killing it, all for making smart choices and getting an opportunity to do something with the money that they got, and they appreciate it. There's also been a bunch of others, like a Van Morris or a Tamir Vandover, who got a ton of money and just squandered it. You make the same argument about a lot of college athletes. I've seen some of them go through there. He was there. They got their master's completely paid all the way through. Got five years completely paid where they were smart. They had full ride scholarships either through basketball or football or some other sport. And then, but the majority, unfortunately, um, we kind of just blow it off and just barely make it. All right. And we'll be right back after a couple messages. So after this break, then uh, uh, after this break, then we'll we'll start wrapping up. So we've talked about the American Health Care Act. We've talked about kind of uh, personal responsibilities and uh, you know being 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 broke out here versus having a little money. And uh, the, the the difference that choice makes, um, and um, 
And the last thing I definitely want to touch on was kind of the uh, public's response to the American Health Care Act uh, in a section that I call uh, the public reaction, a.k.a. resist. Um, so I want to start that off by kind of quickly going through some of the things that uh, were actually in the uh, American Health Care Bill. Uh, one, uh, the bill's no longer going to require people to buy insurance through uh, the affordable health care marketplaces. Um, um, if, if they want, there's going to be some uh, federal tax credits, uh, but it would eliminate the uh, tax penalty uh, for failing to buy health care. Um, you know, and with those tax credits, you're going to uh, go from about 2000 a year for a person in their 20s uh, to about uh, 4000 or so a year um, for people that are in their 60s. So there's definitely going to be some raise in costs, and, and, uh, you know, and I think we've got some kind of split thoughts on uh, kind of the impact on that raise in costs, and, and, and I'm not sure... Like I say, if we've definitely got the, at least today, if we've got the, the, the answers on that. Having said that, is it, do you have a figure that affects what it would do to affect the deficit? Well, yeah, actually. Um, actually, let me go to the next one, and then that, because that, that'll start kind of touching on it. Um, so, some of the uh, tax cuts that were in the Affordable Health Care Act, um, this bill is going to eliminate uh, those. Um, and those cuts added up to about $592 billion. Um, and so that's definitely going to have some, uh, some effect on the deficit, definitely. Um, there's going to be, uh, which they haven't really detailed yet, but they were saying that there's gonna, definitely going to be some uh, dramatic, as uh, the wording uh, used, changes to Medicaid. Um, so um, still want to wait to see what that... That's an alarming one. What that looks like. That's a scary yeah, one. Yeah, that's the scary one. Yeah. That's a real scary yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your reference here? Um, this this came from a piece on uh, NPR that I was looking at. But everything has to go through the CBO, so that's what you're going yeah. to really come up with the numbers. Exactly. Um, uh, so with pre-existing pre conditions... Um, there's still going to allow pre-existing conditions, but they're also going to allow um, the states some some leeway on how. But they can opt out. Yeah, they, right. They on, eliminated the caps. Yeah, they eliminated the caps of unreasonable raises. Exactly. So that's that's the other piece that kind of scares me is that um, now you know you're not denied health care, but we can dramatically raise uh, your your insurance rates. Um, and and for a lot of people, that's that's going to be the thing that's going to mean that they can't have health care. They just won't be able to afford it. Uh, 
But, and to uh, be perfectly fair, that was already in place before the HGA went into effect anyway. Yeah. You yeah. could not be denied under pre-existing conditions. You just had to pay unreasonable rates to get it. Which is the same thing. Yeah. yeah. It, it, we just went back to the same. Yeah. Based on your income All right. So with, uh, this, with the state waivers, um, one, um, older people uh, can be charged uh, more than five times uh, what they charge young people for the same policy. Um, two, uh, it's going to eliminate uh, required coverage um, uh, called uh, essential health benefits. Um, that's going to include uh, maternity care, mental health care, uh, and some stuff with prescription drugs as well. Right. Uh, and that's already covered under Medicare Part D. Right. right. And three, um, it's going to change more, uh, change, change for or deny coverage to people that have pre-existing conditions such as cancer, diabetes, or arthritis. Once again, I don't think they're going to be denying anybody, but that raise in their rate is definitely going to be... Yeah, the language is such that you can't deny, right. but you can set the rate at what you feel is fair market value for that. And, uh, and uh, lastly... Um, this CBO. Um, the CBO's report um, concluded that over 10 years, possibly 24 million fewer people uh, will be covered under the under this bill, and uh, and that's going to obviously raise it. Well, the, the interesting thing is it's saying that 24 million people will fewer people will be covered, but it's saying that. Uh, that the analysis of the House's bill could cut deficits by $337 million over the same 10 years. Um, okay, I'm not just by getting people off the Just the by getting people off the road. Because you know who's going to drop it. It's just young people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, young people are going to... Young people, you know, look... Is there a penalty for not having the, the mandatory minimum insurance? No, no, that's been yeah, that's, that's, that's eliminated. That's been eliminated. It's just hey, you have to have minimum insurance, but if you don't, then yeah, exactly, exactly. We get it. So, but the Senate's going to rewrite this too. So it'd be interesting to see what they Agreed. turn around, throw into. Yeah, yeah. Know. I mean, um, you know, <clears throat> it definitely gave me pause when uh, when I was hearing about some of the things that were going to be happening or being eliminated. Uh, but uh, knowing that the, the Senate's going to rewrite this thing and then it's got to go back to the House, I just don't see, I don't see how it passes. Well, here's the question. How many votes did it fill by the first time? 24? Yes. I believe it was 24 votes that it filled by the first time. Right. And, and, it, fell, and it passed, back, it passed with one extra vote. Right. So they this got 23 time. back. Yeah. So no. the, the question to me is, what did those 23 people see in this new bill that all of a sudden made think of this is a really good This is a good idea now. We should do this. <laughs> it seems more like like what, I, I guess, in a political strategy, you would say, okay, I'll go ahead for the first time and vote for it because right. I got a couple of concessions in there. I know the Senate's going to rewrite it. It's never going to pass the second time, but I can tell every constituent I had that I voted for health care reform and just said the Senate killed it. That's that, and, and that's kind of where I'm feeling that it's going to go. Well, yeah. well, let me ask you this then. So, let's say it does go there, 
and they don't pass it. Yeah. Do we go back to the to the ACA? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah then we go back to the law that's on the books. So, yeah. so you go back to the law on the books, where there are currently, you know, Michelle and I had to get individual health care right now. Blue Cross Blue Shield is it, mm-hmm. and the insurance co- companies are they're they're thrown out of it. So, and they're just pulled out of Virginia. Yeah, they they're pulling out of they're pulling out of these insurance companies are losing money on this deal. And they're, and they're complicit in it because they thought they were going to make well, money. They're going to kill it. All right. They, they were actually in, in on that, and then, so they kind of getting what they deserve. But if, 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 the, if the ACA does crash, right. then where are we? You know, that's, that's my point. They're trying to do something. And the interesting thing about the Republican Party that's different than the Democratic Party is that they have divisions in themselves. Yes. The Democrats tend to walk lockstep. Uh, I, I think all opposition parties tend to walk in lockstep. You remember the Republicans voted as a block a lot of times to do things. Uh, and Democrats have divisions of their own. Think of the Bernie Sanders faction versus the Hillary faction. Yeah, Bernie's been that. saying some interesting things recently about you know the, some of the resistance movements and there's a, there's things like that. I, I've actually been surprised at some of the things he said. There's a lot of them. It'll be interesting. It's going to have to go back to HCA, so there's no doubt that it is the ruling law of the land. If you can't pass another law that supersedes it, you're done. You can put, try to put an executive order, but it'll be struck down as being unconstitutional. Yeah, the executive so order is not a solution to It already problem. went to the Supreme Court, and it was passed. And it was passed by a Republican uh, Supreme Court justice who passed it as a tax. So that was the legal loophole they got through that John Roberts cast a deciding vote on. That, but he, he really knew what he was doing by doing that, too. Well, for a Republican Supreme Court justice who was very conservative, this is why I like him as a dude. He just went by the Constitution of right. the United States and said this was passed as a tax. And that's his job. He's stupid Republican should have rewritten it in a different way. But the way that it's written is constitutional. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. What I do think they're going to have to do is the three things I said before. They'll have to do tort reform. They're going to have to uh, let people do interstate commerce at some point. And they're going to have to let people mitigate risk by forming larger groups that are across state lines. And then that will be, I think, the next step. And that is inching closer to a single-payer system. Yes. The larger you make the groups and the more interested they are, the more consolidation you'll see. Yeah. And eventually you're going to end up with a handful of people. It's lower risk. The numbers average out. It's, yeah. it's just it's the actual tables, and that's what you need to get down to. That, that's just like, I mean, you're a data guy. Yep. I mean, my God, just run the data and see what it costs to, to insure these people. So it'd be interesting. And with big numbers, it works every time. There you go. Yep. All right. I think with all that said, I think we're at the point where I end this podcast in the way I end our podcast. And that is, to good times, we're good people.